Hello and welcome to Three Night Bender, the show where we talk about all things Orlando, focusing on sports. I'm joined always uh, with my main man here, Boozos. We've got a special guest with us here tonight. Um, I will let Boozos introduce him, but he is on the uh, the phone line. So this is a new experience for us. We're going to see if this works out. So this is actually one of the brain children of this podcast. I approached Stephen D'Agostino about like six months ago saying I want to do a podcast. And we kind of joked around a bit about it. And then I decided to go on Amazon and buy all the equipment. And then we thought about doing it, and then he decides that he's going to be a big boy and follow his dreams and crap like that and move up to New York City and take an awesome opportunity to work for the Olympic Channel. So we got Steven D'Agostino on the line with us, a former UCF grad, wrestling and everything. How you doing, buddy? What's up, man? Yeah, it was actually just a massive ploy so I could do this without my pants on. As I'm in my underwear right now on my couch. So it's, it was a long roundabout way to, to be able to – well, I mean, which I guess is kind of stupid because I was mostly in my underwear when I, I lived in your house anyway. Very so true. I don't. I guess. I guess that doesn't really check out. But Steve, that's is, my story, and I'm sticking to it. Is it pretty cold up there right now, Steve? We've been looking at weather reports. Obviously, we're here in Florida, enjoying the weather. But dude, it's it's freaking dude. beautiful down here. It's 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 snowed today. Like, what the hell is that? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. And, I mean, I <laughs> I just don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's out of control. Out of control, indeed. Uh, yeah, out of control. Well, yeah, I had to wear a coat today. You guys are probably sweating your nuts off down there. Nah, we're actually pretty comfortable. It's it's a nice temperature. We love it when Florida gets like this. Not not too hot, not too cold. So it's perfect for our job. And we jumping on roofs and whatnot. It's nice and beautiful, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about dying of sweat like it is in July. It's pretty amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, Steve, let's get here. Not us. Not us. <laughs> not us, buddy. Let's kick this thing off, Steve. <laughs> here on uh, Three Night Bender, we always like to start the show with a beer. We've got our own selection of beer here. I'll let Boozos introduce it in a second, and I know you have a beer with you. I don't know uh, if there's any meaning behind that, but we'll let you introduce your beer after Ooh. Booz Austin. So this is gonna, he's gonna, we have a mystery beer on the show, the first mystery beer. So I got actually a favorite of not just myself, but uh, but uh, Diagi on the phone with us. It's uh, Bold City Brewery Kira Whale. Um, oh, City, let's go. Bold City is the, uh, the, the nickname of Jacksonville, so it's a delicious brew. It's a cream ale, very light, uh, good texture, good taste. It's actually the beer that I drank the night that I proposed to my wife because we went to the brewery. We did a tour of the brewery, drank some Bold City Killer Whale. We drank some uh, Duke's Brown Ale. And then I proposed during St. Augustine later that night. So this is a very, wow. very important beer to me. It was also at our wedding. We got a keg of this. It's pretty delightful. I'm feeling romantic now. So, Steve, what do you got going on for you over there? Is it, do you at least have like a uh, Brooklyn? No nothing, no, nothing crazy. It's actually just a Pacifico, uh, which uh, there's a really nice – taco joint down the street so i i pretty much eaten there every night since i moved up here two weeks ago and to compliment that i've just been downing pacifico so this is the last bottle out of that six pack which Oof. is probably a good thing that i could buy something else now it's, i'm just been it's probably like if you drew blood it would probably just be pacifico <laughs> and tacos at this point well but, so cheers I mean, gentlemen everyone yeah cheers <laughs> Well, that, that was actually a horrible spray because it was all over my laptop. I, I spilled it on the soundboard. That, that was a very vociferous can open. I, that, like, <laughs> killed my ears. We actually have sound effects. We're not actually drinking beer. That's just... Uh, <laughs> did, did, you, did you soundboard that in? Absolutely. <laughs> you soundboarded the beer, the beer snapping noise. Well... And, 
Let's let's go ahead and get started on this program. Obviously, we want to get into uh, UCF football. It's what we always talk about on this show while it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, not mm-hmm. a, a very successful week for the Knights. Um, we watched the game downtown on Wall Street at Hooch, which was the official watch party. Um, oh kind of a cool, cool setup. You know, they had the young alumni that we somehow signed up for. We're not exactly young alumni anymore but uh we got some free drink tickets and they did you got some free drink tickets i showed up and they freaking left and (laughs) i did not get free drink tickets and i'm a little ucf young alumni if you're there even though i'm not young alumni anymore you still owe me drinks and i'm gonna hunt you down you missed out on the uh the touchdown shots as well because you didn't show up until the uh, the second half when i showed up there were no more touchdowns (laughs) so you know yeah i had that going for me the amount of student loans we're paying, I think we should still get young alumni discounts until until payment of loans are done. So I like that's that. my theory. Let's make that as a so who's forever. It? We, we got to figure out who the new UCF president is so we can pitch this <laughs> to him. So forever, yeah, yeah. As long as my money is going to that school, I should at least get some crappy shots at Hooch. I mean, okay. that's my opinion. I don't know. I could it could be totally wrong. So talking right. about that uh, lovely Tulsa game, as you know, I, I show up at halftime, kind of following the game as it's going on. Uh, Heartbreaking loss, three-point loss. So now we've got three games on the year, and we've lost by a total of seven points. One touchdown is the difference between UCF being undefeated and sitting at 7-3 with a 4-2 conference record. Um, so just a quick recap. I'm not going to go over all the scoring and how that all kind of played out. They scored more points than us, which means they won. Statistically, not a bad game from uh, our offense, really. I mean, we produced another 30-point game. Gabriel, a couple turnovers, unfortunately, 290 yards, touchdown to two picks. Um, that's pick number six and seven on the year for him. Uh, Killens has another huge game, big ru- big runs. Uh, I think he, what, he had like, like a 70 or 80-yard run at one point. Yeah, didn't two. He? One got called back. But. Yep, and then you got Gabe Davis, another big game, almost 100 yards. Um, but what drew, drove me the most crazy is Zach Smith, uh, their quarterback, who I talked about the last episode, now he's actually a pretty decent quarterback, gets hurt. So they put in the backup quarterback, and they rally and win behind that said backup quarterback, who I thought did not look very good at all, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's just my quick little recap as far as statistically what happened. At one point, we had like a 98% win percentage chance, and that obviously tanked to a Tulsa having 100% win percentage chance at the end of the game, which uh, I'll let you talk. Steve, you 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 saw that, right? You were, you were at the UCF bar up in New York. What did you think about that? Last yeah, drive. so I've yeah I've I've become a, a a denizen now of Carragher's in New York, which has been pretty cool. It's like the largest alumni chapter outside of Florida, so there's a lot of good people there, and you know the the energy in the first half was was high spirits. Um, you know, it just felt like your typical run of the mill, you know, run them up conference win, and. You know, it's it's funny because we make fun of our defense, right? With Randy, mm-hmm. with second half Randy, second half Randy, and it's like yeah. our where the our adjustments. Steve? Is, our, our offense is the polar opposite. Like if you, if you look at the scoring that our offense has second half this year, it's awful, it's atrocious. So it's like, like does Randy Shannon and Heupel just take breaks during the game? Like is is Heupel like you know because we don't have an OC? Is Heupel just in the first half like? Don't worry, Randy. Like I got it, and you know I'm gonna take a nap in the second half, and then you, that's when you can actually start doing your job. Like it, we ha- like the fact that we can't play complete phases of the game. You're gonna have these atrocious losses like this, you know, where mm-hmm. 
you let you let the Tulsas linger around, and it's going to bite you in the ass. Well, they and, say if you let if you let you know, like, inferior teams stick around long enough, they start to believe they can win. Right, and like you know, it. And what's really upsetting about that is the amount of of talent that we have on our team. I mean, we should just be chainsawing guys in half. And you know, like you know, like you look at our running back back depth alone. I mean, I've said this a lot on Twitter, and I know a lot of people you know, don't, don't totally disagree with it. But I think Bentavious might be our best running back. I mean, the kid, if you look at that kid, yeah, I got got 100 likes on a tweet just because I said, I am a Bentavious Thompson fan. That's all I had to say. So I'm going to start preaching about Bentavious for those likes. I mean, that kid that, I mean, it's, we have, and he's our, and he's technically fourth on our depth chart there. It's like, if you have that much depth on offense, how do you not score the entire second half of the game? When you're playing a team that has less depth, I mean, those guys should be dead. Tulsa should be dead tired at that point. They have they don't have nearly the depth that we do. You know, we should be blowing them out in the second half, and instead we don't score anything. And, you know, you lose you lose on a field goal, basically. I mean, it's just – I mean, it's about as it's, – it's the first bad loss, I think, that Hypel or we have had. And mm-hmm. I think it probably since losing the Cure Bowl to Arkansas State. I mean, that was – that That's was a, a bad loss. So looking through this, and, just real quick to go over some like like team to team comparisons. UCF had five hundred and fifty seven total yards. Tulsa had three hundred and fifty. So we have over a hundred yard difference on total yardage. Passing two ninety to two fourteen. Rushing one sixty seven to one thirty nine. They had far more rushing attempts. We had three point six average per rushing attempt. They had two point five, which is atrocious. 2.5 isn't even enough. It is barely enough to get you a, a first down in four plays. You got to be, that's like the bare minimum. Um, they didn't have a 100 yard rusher. They had this, but somehow they still had the same amount of first downs as us. Uh, they had horrible third down efficiency. We're at 18 of six, of 19. They're at three of 16. So, but they, they made fourth downs when they counted. They uh, were able to move the ball when it counted. And they had, they obviously, every team is going to possess the ball longer than us, but uh, they had an extra. You know, seven minutes of possession time compared to us. And as I always say, turnovers are what cost you the game because had a fumble, two interceptions, and they were clean on that stat sheet. They did not commit a turnover at all. And that's what happens. Yeah, the turnovers are always going to hurt you in that game. Um, you know, another interesting stat that I saw online was that, uh, you know, any time that Dylan Gabriel has thrown an interception, we've lost that game. So he has seven interceptions on the year. Mm-hmm. All three of them came in the games that we lost. Um, you know, just, just to kind of piggyback off what Steve was saying, as far as the offense in the second half, I don't think we've, you know, since probably that Arkansas game, we haven't had a worse offense in the second half. We only put up three points and we're, we're UCF. We're a high scoring, fast moving offense. And for us to only be able to put up three points in the second half was so deflating. Especially Um, when you have 28 points the previous game in the third quarter. Oh yeah, we've had some good good third quarters this year, but you know, just to to get totally shut down is insane. And you know, Randy is known for his second half adjustments. We're Obvi- still waiting on the adjustments. Though. Obviously, the de- I'm still waiting on the adjustments. <laughs> the defense didn't do their job. The offense didn't do their job. The coaches certainly didn't do their job. I think this is a total team loss in all three phases of the game, as as Coach Hypo likes to put it. Um, and it is a deflating bad loss. Uh, it's, it's something that we've lost twice already this year. So this third loss didn't hurt as much as the other two, but this one is definitely the worst losing to a team that had only 
won two games this year and is kind of the laughing stock of our league where we're constantly talking about kicking them out mm-hmm. and then they beat us. So that this is a tough one to swallow. If anything, it's, I'd just I, say it's like the most embarrassing loss we had. I think it's the best way to describe I, I think, it. I think what hurts the most about this loss is like, you know, like losing the pit sucks, but at the end of the day, they're a power five team and they always have, they're always good for a couple big upsets a year. You know, like they beat, they beat a Clemson team that went on to win a national title mm-hmm. that year, you know, so it's not the end of the world losing to Pitt at Pitt, especially on the fashion that we lost. Was it upsetting? Yeah. You know, Cincinnati, we knew they were going to be a tough team this year. Losing at Cincinnati, you know, we were still in the mix for the conference. Like, that was bad, yeah, but still, like, wasn't awful, awful. Like, what this Tulsa loss does is it basically takes us from being the, you know, forefront, in the forefront of the Power 5, G5, you know, buster conversation and just puts us back into, oh, you're a regular G5 team. And that really hurts as a UCF fan. Because right. what you feel like is the last, since 2017, we've been, like, building all of this momentum and, you know, we've, we're used to seeing UCF and like all the ESPN promos and mm-hmm. the talking heads. And that's been, that's been like amazing. Mm-hmm. And now this is the first time since then that like we're now just run of the mill UCF again, you know? And it's so, uh, yeah, that really sucks. But, you know, they're, it, you know, like teams, it's, it's, it's you know, it's uh, up and down. It's a tumultuous thing. Like, Miami hasn't been relevant for a long time. FSU is down. Like teams are up and down. Like I think fans just need to get used to this that we weren't going to be riding this high it like forever. You know, like we were gonna yeah. have to come down eventually. And the fact that if this is really our down year and we're still bull eligible and we could still finish, you know, if we win our bowl game with ten wins. That's still a pretty good year. It's a great so, year. If you're in double digit wins in college yeah. football, it's a good yeah. year for your program. Which you gotta yeah, remember. It's a segue. We haven't, I mean, when you look at the history of our school, how many 10 win plus seasons have we had in our school's history? Legitimately. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have, we didn't start getting 10 win seasons until you know, six years ago. Yeah, like, yeah, when we beat, yeah, like we were, like, it's not like, you know, and that's the argument people have with Boise, right? It's like, boy, you know, because I, you know, I'm, I love dragging Boise and Boise's fans. I know a lot of people like to do the kumbaya bit where we, where we are brothers with them. I love dragging Boise. I know that I'm like a minority in that. But, you know, the thing, the argument Boise fans always use is that they've been winning these nine, 10 win seasons for a long time. And so us having 10 wins this year is not a loss to me. You know, because if, if that's really the argument for are you a perennially good G5 team, then that, these are the seasons we need to have. And, you know, the fact that, you know, did we get what we want? No, but we're still have we're still a good year all things considered so yeah all things considered, i'm not, it's not a loss at all yeah yeah and i'm not a you know this was this loss was was bad for hypo stock you know it's, it was really bad because i mean he just he got out coached in, in tulsa you know i mean and that's that's a bad look but i probably won't hop on the fire hypo bandwagon until i see regression next year like if we come back next year and we lose five games then i'm like okay yeah this we've gotten worse every year 100 percent. but i don't i don't think i don't think that's going to happen i think i think dylan you look i mean dylan has had bad flashes and i've been a big you know argumenter of you know i've really pushed like letting mac get some get some time when dylan's not playing well but i think next year dylan is going to come back and look amazing you know and i've always said that i've always said dylan 
looks like a freshman at times, but so did KZ his freshman year, you know? And so I think Jones is come back. And Milton freshman year, they're not even comparable. Milton wasn't no. half the quarterback that Dylan Gabriel is today as a freshman. And that's the problem is no. a lot of fans, and that's why we're, we're talking about, that was my next talking point was the whole fire coach hypo talk. And there's a lot of fans that you can tell have not been a UCF fan very long the way they talk and act. They have not seen the worst of the worst of this program. Like you, me, or Todd definitely saw as we were growing up in the 2000s when four and eight, nine wins, and you get four wins, then ten wins, and then five wins, and then nine wins. We were that kind of program until O'Leary won the Fiesta Bowl. We got some stability, and then Frost comes in and, you know, obviously takes us to new heights. And the whole idea of firing a head coach who is 19-4 and in his first two years, that's an 82% win percentage. There are very few college football coaches in the game's history that start out with an 82% winning percentage after 23 games. And he's behind only the likes of people like Dabu Sweeney and Nick Saban in terms of win percentage. And I don't care who you are and who your team is. That's hard to do every day, day in and day out, with 19, 20-year-old kids, period. No matter what level you coach, that is not an easy thing to accomplish. Right. And, I mean, I, was, I saw on Twitter people calling for Saban's head after losing his past. Oh, God, I mean, you, I mean it's, it's just, I mean, it's like, I don't care what program you're a fan of there's always going to be acts the coach talk that's way too premature but i mean let's be honest like we should have asked i mean if you look back at what frost and heifel are doing now and you look back at some of the seasons o'leary had you know yeah. like we put up with o'leary for a long time like a long damn time and it's like if we if we let o'leary slide i don't it's way too early to be sitting here and saying that we need to chop Hypo, you know, like I, I, I don't see that at all. The difference you know, is and... national spotlight. UCF has been put in the national spotlight. We're on commercials. People are taking screen caps and putting it to Facebook groups, showing that we had a three-second appearance in an ESPN commercial. We get college game day. We get all those accolades, and that's what changes people to think that we're suddenly Alabama, and we're not. If we're being quite frank, we're a group of five. Uh, I school. mean, there's, yeah, I mean, we're a group of five team, and. You know, if you thought that this this ride was going to last forever, you were I mean, you, you're just totally mistaken. And, and I don't and I'm not saying that it's, it's never going to come back like, you know, they could come back just, next year. To think that UCF was going to sit in the spotlight every year, year in and year out is just super unrealistic. It, it was is. just not never going to happen. The only way that's going to so, happen is when we move to a power conference. And we're exactly. getting higher rated recruits, which I don't care what anyone has to say about that. Like, that's not going to happen now. It's probably not going to happen within the next five to eight years. It's going to be a long time before conferences decide to start restructuring, expanding, pulling those kids. Because everything's about TV contracts. And a lot of the big conferences that are currently the big ones. I mean, we talked about, we've been talking about Big 12 for years. But a lot of those big conferences have TV deals that are solid for the next five to ten years. It's going to be a long time before we get an opportunity to join the big boys and join those conferences and get a lot more. Which once once that happens, everything else is going to take care of itself. We're a Florida school. We get Florida recruits. We get we're going to get Florida football money. It's a religion down here. I do not see UCF falling off. You know, we we had our spotlight, but it's going to be taken off of us, and we're going to pop in and out. I think every other year for the next decade before we get into a point where we can start becoming an FSU or a UF and so on and so forth, where we can actually put our, our foot down and say, no, we're a mainstay program. But people have to understand that it takes a long time. And that's the problem. You know, we're in the day of instant gratification. We want to be a national title contender year in and year out right now. 
That's not going to happen. Sorry. No, no. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree with all that. I mean, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're, 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 we're a program that, you know, you're going to have a down year or two every few years, you know, but as long as you're bull eligible and as long as you're getting these double digit wins, like, you know, if, if fans want to say that this is a down year and we turn it into a 10 win season with a bull win, then, then those are the programs that get snatched up by power five conference, you know, like, Mm-hmm. The down year, the years that we need to avoid are going 0 and 12 again. Like yeah. that, that is what you can't have anymore. You cannot have 0 and 12. We can't have two, three win seasons because then you just become USF, and then people pass by you. Like then you just I still think that the worst program in Florida. Yeah, yeah, UCF is still feared in the American Conference. I mean, you know, again, the reason why Cincinnati, I think a big reason why I think Cincinnati beat us was. You know, we have a target on our backs. We're we've been the the benchmark for the conference, and I still think it's impressive. You know that, that what we're doing. You know, like the day that we stop becoming the benchmark in the American, then yeah, then then that's then that's a problem. But right now, I still think we're one of the better teams in the conference. You know, like look at Houston this year. You know, like they bring Holgerson in, and everyone's drooling. You know, they got Derek King in there, and I, no one's saying that. Holgerson should get fired. No one's saying that program's done. You know, like, I mean, it's just, there's, there's transitional years in college football. You know, we're starting a freshman quarterback this year. You know, it's, it's going to happen. You know, I don't think there's anything that says we can't come back next year and compete for the conference again. Yeah. You know, like why, what about our team makes you think that we can't, you know? And I mean, so I, no, I'm not, I'll take, I'm not, I'll take a know? below average year by our current expectations and have 10 wins and go 10 and three. If it means that we can go undefeated for two more years, because we have a, quarterback that's going to be a Heisman contender for the next two years of his career, which right. I definitely yeah, think I that mean, Gabriel is going to be a Heisman contending type of quarterback in the next two years. I, I think I that, think if he keeps... Steve, ahead, I think, you know, you were talking about uh, Mac playing earlier and, and we're talking about uh, Gabriel being a freshman. I think, you know, that's one of Heifel's defining choices is he decided to start a freshman this year and we dropped three games because of it, maybe, um, you know, I'm on the bandwagon that, that thinks that Mac may have been able to win those games this year, but that's the choice that Hypel made. So now, you know, we, we talk about in wrestling, you, you live by the throw, you got to die by the throw. So he made his choice to right. start the freshman quarterback. Is that going to pay off for next year? I think a lot of us are very positive that it will. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a downer this year because we didn't sneak some of those really close games out. And, you know, maybe that would have been the difference if we had had Gabriel as, you know, getting some garbage time, getting ready for the next year. But now he's gotten varsity experience, as we like to call it. He's been on the field. He's going to be so much better next year because of it. So hopefully that'll pay off for Heupel and and that's going to be seen as one of his great decisions as a coach because a lot of his decisions haven't looked so good lately. Specifically, I want to bring up something that UCF Probs pointed out. We all know, you know, that last play of the game, we had uh, 12 men on the field and, and we got a penalty there. But he pointed out we actually had 13 freaking guys on the field. How can you be a college level coach getting paid millions of dollars a year, come out of a timeout and have 13 guys out on the field for the final play that gives you the shot to, to possibly tie the ball game up? That's that's incredible to me. Well, well I'll just that's, look, that's egregious. I'm going to say this because I am a coach and I will fight anyone who wants to get into the argument of, oh, well. You know, what, if you're not an NFL coach, then it doesn't matter, which is not true because I feel that there's plenty of coaches who coach high school that could be coaching collegiate football easy or that could be coaching NFL football. I mean, X's and O's go across the board no matter what level you're at. 
the t- the hu- the timeout huddle is chaotic, and I'm not defending the dude because I've been on I've been burnt on that end where I've made substitution mistakes and I've cost penalties by not doing that right in an offensive timeout huddle, and then we get 12 men on the field and it's my fault. And I've been infuriated on the opposite end where we need a big stop from the defense, and I watch you know our defensive coaches on whatever staff I'm on make that mistake, and I'm pissed because I'm like, how the heck can you let that happen? It's very easy for a 19-year-old who's got the intention span of a freaking goldfish to not hear that his name is not called when they're calling out for personnel. Because that's what happens. You get, in the, you get into that timeout. You're screaming B personnel. You're screaming 13 personnel, whatever it might be. Trying to get these people to come in, get in the huddle, get the play, and know what they're going to do. And, you know, a kid's reaching behind grabbing a Gatorade bottle and squirting into his mouth and not paying attention. He thinks he's supposed to be on the field and didn't hear the personnel change call, which may involve two players. Maybe it means that we need a safety and corner to come out because we're putting on two defensive tackles, and they don't hear that. So I understand why that happened. Should it have been allowed to happen? No. It's not the head coach's fault. I mean, it, it is because everything goes up to the head coach. Right. But that falls down to positional coaches. It falls down to GAs whose job, is that's your only job, is to make sure that the substitutions are done right. So there's a bunch of people at fault of that. The staff is at fault as a whole. It's not just Hypel. So I'm going to come out there and defend him in that regard. Now, going back, it cost us the game on a fourth down stop that we would have gotten the ball and probably scored and probably won the game. So is the loss on him? Absolutely. Am I pissed about it? Absolutely. Do I sympathize and empathize to what happened with him? Absolutely. Because I've been there and done that. Well, I, I disagree because I think it's a lack of preparation. I think, you know, they ran a trick play earlier in the game where Otis Smith or Otis Anderson. That's the second time you've done that. Third. He is not Otis Smith. It's the third. The third time? Yeah. Oh, dear God. Um, Otis Anderson, I believe, was supposed to take the snap and it just went right by him. And Gabriel had to run back there and throw the ball. He got hit in the head. You know, should have been a targeting call. But for me, that's a lack of preparation. If it happens one time, you know, one thing you can point out, that's one thing. But when it's happening over and over and over again, either heads need to roll or, you know, you're, you're a bad coach. So you, he needs to put a lot more work in. We can't have those kind of mistakes on the field. I respect your opinion, even though it's wrong. That's fine. <laughs> so um, real yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, and I think this is, all, this is just real quick to bookend it. You know, like a lot of people – or, you know, they mentioned that Hypel is going to make mistakes because he's also a first time coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like just like this is a grow a growing process with Dylan, it's also a growing process with Hypel. And I don't really know how, what to think about that. You know, like I, I, I go back and forth, you know, like I kind of understand where they're coming from. You know, this is Hype's first head coaching job. He's learning. He's going to get better is, is what the theory is. But you know, we also had a first-time head coach in Frost, and this never seemed like, you know, there were some coaching decisions he made that were kind of questionable, but there was nothing, never as egregious as that that yeah. Frost ever made. And there's plenty of OCs and DCs that get head coaching jobs that aren't, that don't make those kind of mistakes. So, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I think I'm not saying Heupel's on a short leash. I'm just saying that he probably is on some sort of leash now after that, and you kind of kept to keep an eye on it and be like, okay, you know, like you made dumb decisions, you cost us some games, you know, is it, is it fire hypo now? No, but if this kind of stuff keeps happening, then certainly this hot seat gets turned up. Yeah. In, in yeah. my opinion. You so. can't let that, that's not going to happen. That can't happen every game, obviously, but I'm not going to throw him in and say he needs to be fired. Or say well, to be fired well, if, after it, if it was, if it was happening every game, then I think three night bender would just be three night shit show. We'd just be pounding six packs with the depressed through depression. <laughs> 
Yeah. We were we were losing with 13 men on the field every game. <laughs> oh, dear God. Um, so a little college chaos. I mean, looking at the top 25 we got going into this, uh, going after this week, got LSU at number one, which is unsurprising after beating Bama pretty handedly, uh, which led to plenty of, uh, Ted, which we mentioned earlier, which is absolutely ludicrous, arguably the greatest Insane. college football coach of all time loses a game. Yeah. Let me, let me find the tweet. Cause I retweeted mm-hmm. it. It was, Oh, I did too. The quite a few people. It was, where it was, was atrocious. It? I thought they were jokes. I didn't realize people were serious no, people, about that. There's actually quite a few people every year when Alabama drops out one game. Yeah, you know, here, every other year. Who's who? Here you go. Give, so give me the at. What's, it's, what's it's the at, It's at at big underscore Greg underscore D Greg Davidson, and this is the tweet. This is not Alabama football. Nick Saban has lost complete control of the program and needs to be gone asap. Bring in Dabo and hashtag fire save it. Are we sure this and isn't he, sarcastic? It, to me, I read that as and, uh, being very sarcastic. And then, and then he res- and then he, and he he replied to his own tweet, and he goes, "People who don't see the problem with saving don't know football." Wow. And then, wow. And then, and then, and then he responded again because he's just getting ratioed to death on here. He goes after hearing people out in consideration. I no longer think that we should hashtag fire Saban. I think we should just demote him to DC and bring in Tavo Sedka. You can't help some people, I guess. No. So rounding out the top four. So currently, if we were to have the college football playoff tomorrow, we got LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. You got a one-loss Georgia team who lost to South Carolina, right? Yep. team that loses to South Carolina is above Bama. You lost got a close eight, one to LSU. You got, and then rounding out, keeping going forward, you got an eight and one Oregon, who I'm super stoked for. I want to see them crash this whole thing. I, I, we, I was talking earlier. I would love to see eight and one Oregon go undefeated and get left out of the college football playoff, just so Phil Knight can throw five hundred million dollars at suing the NCAA and trying to do something to make that just blow up. Uh, well, that, that's that's how it's going to happen. I mean, I mean, let's. It's never going to happen because of G five, right? Like Correct. no one gives no one gives a damn about us. Like, and we all know that. But what's going to happen is when you have these bottom tier P fives, like the like the Pac twelve, or you know, like other than Oklahoma, like the Big twelve. And if these conferences get left out year in and year out, that is when you're going to see change. So you're absolutely right. If a, if a, if a one loss Oregon team doesn't sniff the playoff, then then yeah, then the Pac-12 and and Phil Knight and there's going to be hell to pay if that happens, you oh, know, because we have the same thing happened with Big 12, right? Like you know, if I think the first couple of years they got left out and there is, you know, like you know, you know, Bullsby's over there talking about expansion. You know, it wasn't until Oklahoma started getting in that he all of a sudden was okay with it. But you know, it's going to take these other conferences getting screwed. For there to be any kind of substantial change. Speaking of Big 12, you've got an, an undefeated Baylor team sitting at 13. They actually dropped in the ranking from last week, even though they won. So you got another undefeated team not even sniffing the top 10. You got two lost Auburn, two lost Florida ahead of an undefeated team, which I think is absolutely egregious. I don't care what you have to say about the Big 12. Like It, it drives me crazy. It drove me crazy as a UCF fan. We were sitting outside the top 10 as long as we were, even though we were undefeated. It drives me even more crazy for programs like that that are actually – power five and are in those conferences playing those quote-unquote hard teams that you want to preach that we don't play 
and yet they're not moving they're not moving the needle at all. So I feel for any Baylor fans. That's actually a pretty good program. I like their head coach a lot. I like their team a lot. They're fun to watch. Uh, it's nice to see them actually doing pretty de- decent. But you know, you got Minnesota undefeated beats Penn State. Great game. If you want a if you want a cool little thing to look up and why it's hysterical, their sophomore quarterback number fourteen. I don't know his name. Uh, he had a really good hype up for his players where he's sitting outside the tunnel talking about how everybody is there to watch Penn State. Nobody cares about Minnesota. Everyone's, you know, they're, they're the main show. And F their boat, referring to row the boat, which is uh, P.J. Fleck, the head coach in Minnesota's, um, like, motto, which, which he's brought with him at every school. F the boat. We're going to sink the boat. And then they lose. Yeah. I thought that was pretty hysterical, which I know it's always in hindsight. You no, know, hindsight's twenty twenty when you're a kid and you want to get all hyped up and get on national television and all over the internet doing that, but... Uh, just kind of a little has to eat his own words a little bit there because yeah so there's some good things happening right now in college football and yeah. as a fan I think we got to root for for Georgia to win a close SEC championship and create some pressure on the CFP to to do something with LSU I think we need Minnesota to win out and win a close one against Ohio State mm-hmm. um, you know obviously Oregon winning would win winning in dominating fashion would be nice and then Baylor I mean if Baylor can can take the the uh, the entire conference. That would be a big thing too, because then you'd have these small schools that aren't the big money schools that have the resume to be in the the uh, championship, and you've got these big schools that are very close. And now you've got to have these guys make a decision, mm-hmm. and we'll see some chaos happen. And hopefully, like uh, you know, that will cause a change. And like you said, Steve, the G five was never going to get this done. UCF was a, a great motivator in getting the talking points going, but the only way it's ever going to change is when some of these bigger schools are left out because they have to put these smaller P5 champions in the dance. So we'll, we'll hopefully see that play out. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Give me, give me two, give me two SEC schools in there. Piss off, you know, a couple of P5 conferences, and then that's when we're going to actually see some traction. That's, that's like, gonna, I would love, be the best like you said, like. Yeah, like I love, I would love Georgia to win the SEC, beat LSU. You put Georgia LSU in there, and then I would love to see, you know, it looks like whoever wins the Big Ten's getting in, whether that's Ohio State or Minnesota, so that's your third team. And then, you know, like uh, if Clemson Clemson runs the table, which they should, they're in. So that means you leave the Big 12 and Pac 12 out. Like, yeah, that's what we want. And we especially want the Big 12 getting left out. Because if the Big 12 gets left out, and the CFP just gives them the bird and says we're not expanding. And the Big Twelve is probably going to look to expand. You yeah. know, if they keep if if they continue to get left out. So, um, you know, I think I think you know you look at Baylor undefeated, and you know, at thirteen. I mean, what's the knock there? I mean, what's their schedule like? And if the, if the argument is that the CFP doesn't respect the Big Twelve's, you know conference strength and schedule then i think the only other option would be for them to add teams you know and so um i think that's what we should be pulling for or at least what i'm pulling for oh agreed because that's the best thing that's going to happen to college football and for fans of like us and group of five schools i'm pulling up their schedule here now i mean we need these p5 schools to get screwed to make change happen like you said like i I mean baylor i mean baylor's got wins over and, and granted like you know, I'm not, these teams are, are down this year, but if we're talking about brand names, they got a win over Kansas State, they have a win over Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, which was ranked. You know, yeah, these teams are down, but what it's showing is that the committee doesn't give a shit. You know, like they're, I mean, they don't, they're like, we don't care if you beat Kansas State or Oklahoma State. It's still not good enough. So, yeah. 
yeah, I would love the Big 12 to get left out. Would love it. So kind of transition because we, we're going to wrap this up in the next couple of minutes. Uh, we got UCF basketball tonight against Miami. That's tipping off. We're actually going to sprint from this podcast, go right down the road and go watch that game. Yeah, that game tips off in eight minutes. So. Yep. So we're going to be wrapping this up so we can go catch that. But we got, you know, 1-0 nights. Uh, basketball team you were there right I went to the game how was it? it I mean it was exciting not a lot of familiar faces from last year Colin Smith was the was the the big piece that I remember from last year um you also got uh Burtz Burtz was a pretty good guy. Burtz was, was the other one so those two I I definitely recognized the big the big draw this year was the Matt Million guy that we got from uh where was he at? Oh, Sacred yeah, Heart, I finally. think yeah. Vito, hometown he, kid he, he threw up a, George Ma- he was playing at George Mason wasn't he uh, one of those smaller I, I know, schools. I know he had like a green and yellow jersey. I thought it was Sacred Heart, but I, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, he threw up a goose egg. I mean, he got 22 minutes, didn't put up any points, so not a good showing for him. But the guy who really surprised him. <laughs> not great. The, the, not great. The guy who had a really big game um, was the uh, the Ingram kid yeah. that we got from Alabama. He's he, on Ingram. He was a good. stud. So I think he's going to help out UCF a lot. But you 16 know, points, 7 rebounds. I'm a bad game for a college basketball player. This is not the team uh, we yeah. had last year for sure, though. No. Definitely a small uh, team. It was uh, Will, William and Mary. William and Mary. All right. No, I don't know no, why I said Sacred Heart. I, William and Mary. I knew, I knew it was some William and Mary have a Sacred CAA. Heart. <laughs> The green and yellow was close. Yeah, they're all the, they're all the same, right? No, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry fans. Of they're going to play Miami tonight. They're one and a half point dogs to Miami. So really, hopefully we'll uh, okay we'll see my, them perform. My, I'll take that. I'm just having a really hard time accepting the fact that Taco no longer plays for us, and I love seeing on social media just the love for Taco. It just feels like he's like he's our son. And he's just grown up and he's he's gone out in the world and. We remember him when he was just a wee seven foot instead of a seven foot. <laughs> a or, wee seven you know, foot. You know, we knew him when he was when he was just a wee lad. And uh, I don't think he'd ever call that I, man I saw, a wee lad. I saw, he's a wee little lad. He, he busted saw, that. He busted like, out he of his a, mom at like six foot. He had a uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That that is some visual imagery that I did not need. Uh, it's like that. It's like that Will Ferrell skit from SNL. Do you remember that, where he came out as a grown? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> Um So real quick, also, uh, we got a little bit of NBA action. Uh, our our lovely. What what's the record now? Where are we at? What are I think we're three and nine. Three and nine sounds are three, about right. Are we three and nine? I'm get, I'm, that's a little. I, that's that's me throwing up. Throwing up like the, like the magic. No, three and seven. We're three and seven. Hey, we, three and we finally put up 100 points. We were the last team in the NBA to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, we upcoming games, we got the 76ers tomorrow. We got the Spurs Friday. Wizards got a good three-game stretch all at home. Okay. So if you, you got 76ers, Spurs, and Wizards as a three-game stretch over the next four days. Who do you got? Well, how, how many of those do we take? I, I won all three of them, so I'm going to say three. You're going to say all three. Steve, okay. how many we got? Sorry, I, I was. I'm looking at Vucevic's stats because <laughs> he's been so bad, and I've I've been really upset because everyone was worshiping him last year, and he mm-hmm. played great. But I said this: it was like he's in a contract year. This is exact. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I, I've never been a big Vucevic fan, and he. I just feel like he has no hustle. He's just totally mails it in. And last year he actually put effort in, played very well, and now he's just. Now he's now he's back to what he was, and so yeah, I agree. He got his money. Yeah, I, this is and now he's mailing exactly it what I. Yeah, now he's got his money. He's got a kid. I mean, 
this is what I was worried about. And hopefully, hopefully it's, he picks it up, but I mean, this just looks like vintage Vooch for us. You know, like everyone looks at the stat, they look like, they look at the stat line. It's like, Oh, these guys a double double machine. It's like, yeah, because we have no one else on the floor. Like, you know, like th- that was back when um, we had what's his face when we lost Dwight. We had a uh, what's who's the kid from Tennessee that we traded to uh, to the Sixers or the Pistons? Uh, oh, oh, got uh, uh, Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tristan, oh, yeah, what, he was, God, what was his name? I know his last name was Harris. Like he he, he was actually just playing for the 76ers, wasn't he? Is that the Mark yeah. Fultz trade that we did? Uh, Tobias, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. There we go. Tobias. Yeah, yeah. We were putting Tobias Harris on billboards on I four, as if like he was going to be the guy. And it was like, well, what are you talking about? Like, I know that he's scoring a double double every night, but that's because we have no one else on the floor. Like, (laughs) you know, like he's the best of the worst. uh, Yeah. So, like, so we got final. So I don't know. I don't. Basketball game tonight. I'm going to go back to the college basketball because we're about to close it out and go to this game. UCF versus Miami. Who do you got? What's, what's the score? I, I got UCF all the way. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to win 67 to, to 64. Steve? Oh, come on. I got to take my Knights and, and, uh, and my boy Johnny Dawkins. Let's go, guys. And Jay you know what? I think, you know, I think, our, I think Matt's going to have a big night tonight. He's going to come back. He's going to hear this podcast drop like before the game in two minutes. He's going to hear this podcast hear, in two minutes gonna, before we upload he's, it. He's going, to, he's going to hear Todd slandering his name. And he's going to put on for <laughs> William and Mary and UCF and Oviedo High School. And and uh, I think it's going to be Knights. I think it's going to be Knights uh, 65-60. All right. I got UCF winning as well. I'm going to put it as a lower scoring game. I'm going to put it at 52-50. All right. All right. Clock them in. We well, Steve, thank you for joining us. You know, we love you. We miss you. We know that you're enjoying uh, New York a bit. I'll be seeing you there next week when I go up to visit you. So uh, we'll have a good time, have a couple beers, and uh, we'll bring you on sometime pretty pretty soon. Next week, uh, we usually drop these podcasts on Tuesdays. We're actually going to be dropping it on Thursday next week. One, because I'm not going to be in the state. I'll be in New York. And two, because we're actually going to be bringing on a former UCF football player. We talked about it last week. Unfortunately, like schedule is kind of conflicted a little bit, so we had to go to our B choice of Steven, unfortunately. Um, but uh, former, Story of my life. Story of Steven's life. Uh, former UCF quarterback Steven Mopp is going to be joining us for our podcast next week, so yeah. we'll, have good, we'll have a good time talking to him, uh, talk a little bit about the George O'Leary era and his opinion on where the Knights are right now and go from there. So uh, that's uh, that's what I, I'm excited for. That'll be a fun conversation. I can't wait. I want to hear some of the... Uh... The, the stories we've never heard. Oh, the stories that you're going to hear, you're going to, you're going to laugh your ass off. He is, he is a funny guy. He is a very funny guy. I'm excited. I'm ready. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, excited to talk to you next week. Cheers, boys. Enjoy the game. You've been listening to Three Night Bender. Thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, feel free to go to our Twitter page, at Three Night Bender. Take a look for me at, at Coach Buzos or Todd at, at HauserTube. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, Love to hear some feedback from you guys, and as always, stay classy.